0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we have interesting and candid conversations with all types of Argentine tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to all you newcomers out there for finding the channel. I'm really happy to have you with us. And please take a moment to check out our previous episodes. You'll find some really helpful information and hear a lot of great stories. Okay. My guest today is originally from Russia, but is now located in Washington, D.C. With a professional background in interior design, she discovered Argentine Tango in 2010 while attending a weekend boot camp program with Tango Mercurio. Soon after that experience, she started assisting with instruction, Eventually, she became a teacher, and today she serves as Tango Mercurio's Executive Director and Events Program Manager. And with me now is Masha Abapolnikova. Masha, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. All right. So Masha, if you could take us back, perhaps the beginning of your tango journey, uh, how did you fall in love with this dance?
1: Well, it, um, it was a series of fortunate events for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have fallen in love with the music way before I fell in love with the dance itself. I think growing up in Russia, we had a pretty strong connection to instrumental music and tango music in particular.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I listened to tango way before I even considered dancing it. And then one day, my friend reached out to me and said, hey, I bought a coupon. Would you like to join me for a tango class? And I kind of had that uh, Dancing with the Stars image flash before my eyes, and I cringed, <laughs> but I liked my friend a lot. So I said, sure, Stephanie, let's go, uh, let's go take a class. And the rest is history. The first class, I absolutely fell in love with the dance.
0: And then uh, there was this uh, weekend boot camp program with Tango Mercurio. Uh, was this the was this the uh, the class that you got the group on for?
1: Yes, actually, it was a tango boot camp, so mm-hmm. it was an intense six hour kind of session, and we've learned all the basics of tango. And I had a wonderful teacher, mm-hmm. uh, Asia Fan, um, who is now my um, artistic director and teaching partner. Mm-hmm. And at some point during the boot camp, she came over to me and said, "Hey, you've got a promise." Ooh. And then that I was sold completely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, had you done dance any kind of dancing before tango?
1: Um, not seriously.
0: Mm-hmm. But once you took that boot camp, it just something, but it grabbed you.
1: It absolutely did. I think the complexity of the communication and the improvisational aspect really intrigued me mm-hmm. because it it was not only fun to do with my body, but it was also very intellectually stimulating for me. Mm-hmm. So I was just I was absolutely hooked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So describe what went on through your mind during that uh, first tangle lesson. Were you scared at all or were you excited? I think I was
1: intrigued. I think I was very, very intrigued with the dance. And I just, um, I thought, wow, this could be a really long journey. I'm going to master this. <laughs> ah,
0: okay. So you got bitten by that tango bug right away. That's great. So, so Masha, what was your very first dance like at a milonga?
1: I believe it was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Um, before I danced at Milongas, I started out helping at the door just to kind of get a glimpse at mm-hmm. what the social dancing was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And a few, a few people reached out to me and asked me to dance and I was, I was so scared and I said no. I kept saying no to them because I was just so intimidated. Mm. And I think what they thought is that I was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I was rejecting them. The truth is I was a complete beginner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So finally, finally, my uh, one of my teachers said, "You absolutely have to try to dance socially," and 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 I did, and it was
0: not so bad. Okay, okay. Do you remember the details of that very first dance, or is it kind of a blur?
1: It's an absolute blur. I just remember the mix of enthusiasm and uh, fear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so Masha, I want to change gears a little bit to some more details about your learning, particularly turning points in learning. So what's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers that still resonates with you today?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think the most valuable advice as a student that I got was from one of my first teachers. She told me to learn both roles. Mm. And I pretty much started learning both roles from the very beginning so i kind of had a more holistic understanding of the dance and i kind of as a follower had an idea of what the leader was doing and as a leader i kind of had the idea of the, what the follower was feeling
2: mm-hmm. so
1: i think that really helped me progress in my dancing and also it just kind of doubled up on the you know on the potential partners in the milonga that's
0: true right
1: so that's always good and then um i think my most valuable advice as a teacher that i got from my teacher was to keep asking questions. So a lot of people learn best when they're being asked questions. Mm-hmm. So I still do that to this day.
0: Nice. Now, what was a bad tango habit that you used to have? And and how did you get over it?
1: I think my worst tango habit is apologizing constantly. Mm. And I can't say that I completely got over it yet, but I'm really working on
0: it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you you know, you got really into tango, but you started on a path that not a lot of people take on, which is teaching. So could you describe your journey on how, to, how you became a teacher? Of course, I think
1: I had the idea that I wanted to teach this dance very early on, mm-hmm. before I was qualified to teach, of course. Mm-hmm. But the desire to teach came from the desire to share the joy that I experienced as a dancer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I thought, wow, I really would like to share this with more people. Mm-hmm. So, probably within a year, uh, because I was so dedicated, I kept showing up at every single class in my city, I think. Mm-hmm. So one of my teachers, um, Asia, started to ask me to assist her, so I started to assist her in classes, and then this kind of naturally progressed and developed, and eventually I started teaching my own classes, mm-hmm. again, feeling completely unqualified to do that, <laughs> you know, having all the imposter syndrome that all the beginner teachers have, probably, but yeah. I'd like to think that I've grown, I've grown as a teacher over the years.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the imposter syndrome, because, you know, you don't really have a sense of when you're becoming good, because there's always, you know, that horizon of of things you want to know. And yeah, taking a step back is can be can be very tricky.
1: Absolutely. And no matter how good you are, there are always so many people who are so much better. Mm-hmm. So you can always keep growing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. So what are some things right now that you're still either improving or, or working towards?
1: I think I'm always improving, mean, as a teacher, right?
0: As a teacher or I'll as a dancer. But let's start, how about as a teacher, then we'll go on with, uh, with dancing stuff.
1: So I think as a teacher, I am always improving on uh, effective ways to give, get feedback, to give feedback to my students. hmm because as as you, I'm sure you know, some people are very visual learners. Some people are kinesthetic learners. Some people want to hear something versus seeing something. So sometimes it takes a few goes to figure out what works for the particular student. Mm-hmm. Should I dance this particular move with them? Or should I show them how I would do it? Or should I just describe it
2: mm.
1: in words?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think that, that's that I'm constantly refining my feedback giving technique. mm
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And also, I think I just I, I'm I'm learning to appreciate more subtleties in the dance with every year that goes by. So the more I know, the the more I can give.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. And how about as a dancer? Are there any technique points or or figures that you're honing or working on?
1: Hmm. I think I'm constantly working on just developing a better connection with my partners. Mm-hmm. And currently, we've been um, over the last year, we've been developing. Something exciting, Uh, we've been doing a choreography program that we will present hopefully in 2020 to our students. Nice. So that's been a tremendous challenge for me because I'm a social dancer and um, in choreography, you need to work on how you present yourself to an audience as Mm -hmm. opposed to developing this internal feeling. So that's been my biggest challenge lately, I think.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a general question about choreography, I mean, where where do you start with putting something like that together?
1: I think our general as a group, you know, we have a group of teachers that we, we're collaborating on this together. Um, I think usually we just uh, start with the music and then we kind of dissect the music to see what moves may highlight specific key points in the music and mm-hmm. then we kind of work on it all together.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's fun because it's such an open-ended uh, dance, but in some ways that can be, uh, that can be challenging too to, to deal with. I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. So kind of turning things back to social dancing. So the wonderful thing about about tango is that we're so free to interpret the music in almost any way we want. But at the same time, uh, you know, that's sort of what makes things challenging for beginners. So what advice do you have for the beginner tango students in coming up with ways to interpret music?
1: Well, I think it's very challenging for a beginner to start thinking in terms of interpreting music right away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think a beginner has to first get a good grasp on just how to operate together with this other person that they're dancing with.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think once they figure out the basic geometry of the dance, then they, they can, they're more free to interpret the music as they feel it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But um, I just generally, I just generally tell them to do less, do less. <laughs> Okay. Everybody wants to do too much at the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. So less is more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and not they don't have to go so fast either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. I still struggle with that sometimes myself. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, some you know when I was beginning, I maybe you you came across this as well as leader as a leader, but sometimes I would try to lead everything I knew. Really quickly, because I was somehow afraid <laughs> that I would forget it if I didn't.
1: Oh, I can absolutely relate. And mm. the thoughts of, um, oh wow, is my par- is my partner entertained? Is she entertained or uh, he entertained right now? Yeah. And yeah. you know, of of course, the inter- entertainment in tango does not come from how many moves you know.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I I usually ended up scaring my partners in the beginning and not quite entertaining. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> So yeah, it's exciting, but just not the kind of exciting I was trying to, I was hoping for. (laughs) So in your opinion, Masha, as a teacher, what are some good ways for advanced students to help the beginners?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, In our classes, we're always trying to find ways to integrate the beginners with our advanced students, at least advanced beginners, intermediates, et cetera. So what we do is right now we're running several classes simultaneously of mm-hmm. different levels. And then we put everybody together for practica. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way for these students to come together and mingle. Mm-hmm. And usually the advanced beginners are very keen on, have, um, on helping the beginners because they, you know, they kind of feel like they're an authority, they can help, mm-hmm. and they get so much gratitude for their help. So mm-hmm. that's one way that really worked for Tango Mercurio.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Another thing that we've done—we've done a few mixer milongas where we deliberately brought together people of many levels. Oh, nice! And we explicitly encouraged everybody to reach out to, to people they don't know. Mm. So we did a few mixer tandos, you know, and all the all the complete beginners wore like these one-colored wristbands, and the advanced people wore like this other color wristbands, and we just encouraged the two groups to mix as much as possible.
2: Nice. So that was
1: really fun, mm-hmm. and then of course we do invite. I do invite uh, my more advanced students to taxiing classes, okay, for free, so they can they can actually share their experience. You know, the beginners get a chance to dance with somebody who is more advanced than they are,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and
1: then um, even if you come to a basic class as an advanced student, you still will learn something probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what are some things that you've learned from your own students over the years?
1: Oh my goodness everything <laughs> how to um how to be a better dancer a better communicator you know a better teacher i've noticed that you know leading somebody who's a beginner requires you to be very precise
2: mm-hmm. so
1: if you can lead a beginner you can lead an advanced dancer as well mm-hmm. or v- vice versa if you can follow a beginner leader you can follow it with ease if somebody's mm-hmm. advanced is leading it so I think it just really challenged my dancing
0: technique
1: mm-hmm. and made me made me so much more precise and attentive.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's really neat how uh, you know students look up to us teachers so much, but then we get just as much out of workshops with from them as they get as they do from us in in many ways.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. So it's kind of amazing that you sort of started tango off as this curiosity from a Groupon, and now you are Tango Mercurio's executive director. How did that journey happen?
1: Yes, how did that happen? I keep asking myself every day.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it just started again, sort of a, as a as a coincidence, just because our current executive director had to leave; um, they were moving overseas,
2: mm-hmm. and there
1: was nobody to carry out the responsibilities. I was one of the teachers on staff, and I said, "Sure, I'll, I'll do it in the interim." You know, while we're looking for an executive director. Mm-hmm. And then I kept doing it and I kept doing it. And before I knew it, five years have gone by. (laughs) And then here we are.
0: Wow. So what, what goes through your mind when you look back that this all started with one weekend and now look to where you are?
1: I think that I had no idea what I was in for. (laughs) I was definitely not looking for a life-changing experience at that time. And yet that's exactly what I got. Um, It's kind of been a wild ride. It, it definitely changed changed my life, changed my social circle. Mm-hmm. It gave me this new, you know, job as running running our nonprofit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, which nonprofit by itself is just it's it's so much it's it's so much more than a sum of its parts. You know, we have so many wonderful people in our in our company that do so many wonderful things. You know, working with students, working with elderly, working. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a queer tango program. Mm-hmm. I had no idea this was all going to happen, but as they say it, if you build it, they will, you know, people will come and people came and just create these marvelous programs. Mm
0: -hmm. That's great. Yeah. Because instead of just being a, you know, a studio where you're just doing tango lessons, there's a lot of other, uh, a lot of other things that tango can, can apply to, which is just really wonderful. Yeah, so you're working on this wonderful choreography that you're planning on in 2020. What other future projects uh, are you and Tango Mercurio uh, working on that that you can tell us about?
1: Oh, sure, would love to. Mm -hmm. Um, One of our very robust programs right now is Queer Tango. Mm -hmm. And uh, by Queer Tango, we kind of mean an inclusive group that, you know, everybody learns both roles. And Mm -hmm. we kind of foster a connection between any two people, you know, regardless of their Gender, um, you know, identity, etc. So mm-hmm. we've done. It's it's gotten some really wonderful response because certain people were not comfortable coming to a regular tango class because they perceive tango as a very gender specific, role specific dance. You know, mm-hmm. the man leads, the woman follows, mm-hmm. and so we're trying to kind of blur the boundaries of that just a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we've gotten some really amazing, amazing response from people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, our other big kind of branches, we do youth outreach. So we're working on a few programs with local schools right now. Oh, nice! Hopefully, hopefully to come to fruition in 2020 as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'll be honest: when I first started youth outreach, I wasn't sure that Tango was the right dance for anybody under, you know, 18. Mm-hmm. But I was proven wrong, and we've we've done programs with kids in the past. Mm -hmm. I've gotten an amazing response. You know, I've gotten a call from several mothers saying that, wow, we really want to continue classes because my son has not been missing school. He's been excited to go. Mm -hmm. We haven't got, we have gotten fewer disciplinary phone
2: calls Ah. from the
1: principal. Mm -hmm. And I was really, truly amazed that dance had such an impact on on these young people's lives and they took it very seriously.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. There, do you have any specific uh, stories that stand out in your in your mind working with kids?
1: Yes, there was the this, this specific one kid that I'm thinking about right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that used to do sports. So he did soccer, and then his mom, you know, switched him to to dance to mm-hmm. do a this twelve week program with us that culminated in this uh, public performance at the at, at the local library. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just so excited. So he was so excited to be there every time. And he was the one that stopped having any kind of discipline problems in school because he was just so engaged with this program. And it was amazing to see how these like young boys and girls were interacting with each other because they kind of had issues working together, you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning because, you know, boy, boys and girls didn't mix. But then mm-hmm. you could see how they really came together and became comfortable
2: mm-hmm.
0: working as a group. Mm-hmm.
1: So that was kind of amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, having kids, you know, it's, it's, it's something physical, but it's also very mental as well. And yeah, I, I don't know if I remember being a kid just sitting, especially for boys sitting down in a classroom for seven, eight hours a day is just not really what their brains mm-hmm. are designed for. And uh, yeah, I think Tango, <laughs> tango can really help with, uh, with the outlet that, you know, controlling that, that energy. Yeah.
1: Right, right, and also it uh, the partner dance I think just really fosters collaboration within mm-hmm. the group and partnership and like working together.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So
1: I think that's just that's really beneficial for for kids that age.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, so I want to hit upon a different part of Tango learning. So aside from the physical part of learning figures, you know, sacadas or ochos and that kind of thing, there's also uh, a very uh, I guess intense or a deep mental component to getting good at tango. So in your years of dancing and teaching and working with people, Masha, uh, in your opinion, what are some ways to become, I guess, a mentally strong tango dancer?
1: So I think that um, one of the key components to being a good tango dancer and good tango learner is resilience. Mm-hmm. And there's been a lot of talk about resilience and kind of neuroscience lately that I've been I've been catching, you know, on the radio here and there. Mm-hmm. And I think I think t- in tango, we often hit plateaus and we often don't get dances that we think we deserve. and <laughs> mm-hmm. We just thought we knew something. And then another teacher comes along and says, no, 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 this is not how we do this. So you have to relearn this with this new technique. So mm-hmm. resilience, I think, is really key. And like not giving up mm-hmm. is key for, for you know, mastering this dance, for, for, for sticking, sticking with it long term.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So kind of like not getting discouraged by feedback we get sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, harsh feedback we get from right. teachers and our partners. Mm-hmm. And not getting discouraged um, at social events when we don't get that dance that we really wanted.
0: Mm-hmm. With with dancing, you know, whether you're leading or following, you know, the the successes are are wonderful, but then the failures, you know, if you don't keep them in perspective, can be really devastating. It seems
1: right, and I think tango makes you open up to your partner, to the other person. So it's very difficult to not take it personally when mm-hmm. something doesn't work. Yeah. So I think getting that perspective that this is not personal and it will change. And today mm-hmm. you're having a terrible night and then tomorrow you'll have a great night.
0: Yeah. 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 And I think that, uh, you know, a lot of students, I, I wonder if you come across this as well. Many of them tend to be uh, perfectionists and they get really down on themselves when they, when they don't do something right the first time. Uh, yeah. How do you, how do you work with, with perfectionists?
1: Well, I have to confess that I'm a perfectionist myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I really, I really relate to, mm-hmm. to that challenge. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think perfectionism, perfectionism itself can be a very um, challenging trait in our character.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think like I, th- I said, doing less, taking smaller chunks towards them, mm-hmm. and also just creating a really supportive social circle around yourself can really Mm-hmm. Build
0: us up yeah absolutely yeah so I have a question for you that's uh, related to uh, the pace of of learning so once students they start to get really good I, I suppose it's important to to practice uh, that which you already know to maintain it but then also to uh, to kind of recognize when it's time to look for a new experience whether that's uh, going to a festival or taking private lessons or, or whatnot. So it's in your opinion, Masha, what, how would you recommend a student to, uh, to kind of get on a, a good, or good system rather of improvement? So I guess improving enough just to make sure the tango is always, always going forward, but at the same time, not you know, always biting off more than one can chew, but at the same time, you don't want them to become complacent. Does that does that make sense? <laughs> that does right,
2: a lot. right.
1: Yeah. It da- it does make sense. Well, I think I think in order to build this roadmap for yourself, you first need to know internally what is it that you want to do in tango. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be a dancer who dances socially comfortably, you know, once a week at a local milonga? Do you want to be a teacher and performer? Would you like to be a person who is in the festival and marathon circuit,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: traveling around a lot? And I think once you have that goal, I think you can kind of build a roadmap of how you get there. Mm. But in general, I, I kind of see when, when, when somebody you would say me, when I hit a plateau, it means it's time to change something. Mm. So I kind of stop what I'm doing and if I've been just dancing socially, then maybe I will go and get a private lesson or I will go and take a guest workshop just to be inspired by somebody who's doing things so very differently. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And usually the excitement from this new thing is enough to kind of get me over the hump. Mm -hmm. Or if I've been learning too much and I feel completely burnt out, and I feel like there's just so much new information I can't internalize because some of it is conflicting and some of it is not working with my current
2: mm-hmm. system
1: of dance that, I, that I've that i been working on. Then maybe I just dial it back and just go and dance with just my favorite partners for a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. just have a lot of fun. That's low key. And then I like reset my brain and I can go back and um, learn new things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you identify a a plateau. And for you personally, how do you know when you've hit a plateau and it's time to, to kind of shock the system forward?
1: I think we kind of all know plateau when we hit one, Mm -hmm. we just feel like the things that haven't been working consistently, they still not working Mm. that perhaps we're not, we're not hitting our goals and and, in tango and goals could be different. You know, it could be dances with certain people that we're, you know, really admire or, you know, like executing a figure that we really want to execute and it's consistently not working. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, I just, I usually just kind of pivot around and I go back to my basics. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like what is, what is in the basis of my dance that is not allowing me to progress further? And really you can work on your basics, Right. you know, get better, better technique, something like that. And then you Mm -hmm. can kind of progress from there.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great yeah so much this has been um a lot of fun i know you're you're busy on, on the west coast so really do appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me so uh where do we find out more about you and tango mercurio online
1: sure we have a um our nonprofit has a website it's tango mercurio.org mm-hmm. and we post you know all of our updates there all of our outreach programs and all of our classes and all of our instructor bios everything's on there so mm-hmm. you can kind of keep Keep track of us and also we have a very active group on facebook under tango mercurio
0: nice so all the events on there mm-hmm. okay great tango mercurio.org uh, i will have that url in our show notes so people will be able to look you up and learn more about you thank you yeah all right well masha thanks again for taking time out of your very busy schedule to to talk with me i think the listening audience will really appreciate what you have to say
1: thank you it's been a great pleasure
0: yeah Okay, that was fun. Looking back on our conversation, a couple of things stuck out to me while we were talking. One was that Masha learned both follower and leader parts from the beginning. Many of us think that's more of an idea for intermediates, but really it's never too early to learn both roles. Another thing that stuck out to me was Masha's thoughts on dancing with both beginner and experienced people. It takes just as much care and precision to dance with either groups, Perhaps you're focusing on different details here and there, but making the dance enjoyable for both types of dancers requires skill. I also liked how Masha described her tango journey as a series of fortunate events. As she made the effort to explore tango further, she had no idea about the kinds of opportunities that would open up for her. And many of you out there have probably experienced the same thing. The more driven we are to learn tango, the more time we spend with it, the more we'll tend to come across opportunities. But then we'll also encounter frustrations. As Masha said, we need to know why those frustrations occur. Have we hit a plateau in our learning and therefore need a new challenge? Or have we taken in so much information and so many new challenges that we're starting to burn out? Or are we not progressing enough because we haven't taken the time to make full use of the knowledge we currently have? And once we've identified the issue, we need to ask ourselves, what is it we want from Tango? Once we figure that out, we have to work towards it. And even if we don't accomplish that goal, we will at least find other opportunities that we didn't see before. So thank you again, Masha, for your thoughts and for your time. Much appreciated. And of course, thanks to all you listeners for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a quick moment to subscribe. And please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. To help keep the podcast going, I'm also accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.